Welcome to this episode of the We Travel There podcast. We're in San Jose, California with my new friend Cassie Kiefer, the author of Secret San Jose. She moved here for tech jobs in the Silicon Valley and loves the diversity of people, the hiking, and protected open spaces that are so close to the city. In this episode, we talk about hiking Mount Amunhum, sampling wines in the Santa Cruz Mountains, and exploring the Winchester Mystery House. You'll hear about these three incredible attractions and so much more. The show notes will be available at wetravelthere.com forward slash San Jose. Now let's get started. The We Travel There podcast helps you travel like a local by interviewing guests from around the world to uncover the hidden gems of their city by finding out the best things to do, eat, drink, and see from a local's point of view. Don't you just hate waiting in line for security at the airport? Me too. Even the pre-check lines are slammed most of the time today. That's why I use Clear to skip the lines and get to my flight quicker. For my listeners, I've actually worked out a special deal where you can try Clear for free for two months. This is a limited time offer, so go to wetravelthere.com forward slash clear to sign up today. Hey Cassie, welcome to the show. Hi Lee, thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. So today we're talking about San Jose, California, and as a California boy at heart, it's always like fun to be able to talk about cities in my, my home state. Yeah, great. Well, I'm excited to share some uh, some of my love for San Jose. Um, it's a city that I don't think people talk about very much, so I appreciate your interest in highlighting it. For people who don't really know where San Jose is, essentially San Jose is kind of like in the shadow of like San Francisco and the San Francisco 49ers, even though they kept the name for San Francisco, they actually play down there in San Jose, right? Yeah, in Santa Clara, just next door to, uh, to San Jose. Yes. And then you also have the sharks there too. So Yes, exactly. The San Jose Sharks. Huh? <laughs> Folks are mad about the sharks here. Absolutely. So what's your connection to San Jose? I was born and raised on the East Coast in Pennsylvania and New York State. I moved to Southern California right after I graduated from college. Met my husband in San Francisco uh, several years later. Uh, my husband's a, a software developer. Uh, so uh, I moved up to uh, Silicon Valley uh, to be uh, closer to him. And I've been here ever since. That was about 15 years ago now. Nice. And so uh, would you say that being close to Silicon Valley, is that the reason that you stay there in San Jose? Or like, what is it that you love most about the city? Yeah, I wouldn't say that's the reason that we stay here, especially now that a lot of work is done in Silicon Valley is done virtually and can be done from anywhere. But I think that we stay here because we like the people and the diversity of the community. San Jose is a, a very livable city. It's a community of neighborhoods that all have uh, their own unique feel. I really like that. It's easy to get around. Uh, I feel like there's a lot to do that makes it a nice place to live. Nice. So you've been there for about 15 years. If you had to describe the people or the, the city in just a couple of words, how would you do that? Diverse. You know, I said that. That's really what, something that's really important to me. You know, the cultures um, that are here uh, of folks that have come from around the world uh, to live the California dream uh, here in San Jose. It's a very diverse city. There's a lot to, uh, of, of ways to experience those different cultures. As a traveler, I love to be able to go into uh, restaurants from around the globe and uh, you know, really feel like I'm uh, kind of stepping outside <laughs> when I'm uh, real close to home. It's also a city that has a lot of history that I think is uh, underappreciated uh, here in San Jose. So we'll talk about the history in a few minutes. If people are looking to come to San Jose, you know, California is known for great weather. When people are planning their visit to San Jose, what time of year should they plan to visit based on the weather and based on like different things that happen throughout the year, whether it's like festivals or, or concerts or something that's kind of seasonal? Yeah, absolutely. Any time of the year would be fine. San Jose, I think, has the best weather in all of California. <laughs> 
that's not too hot in the summer. Um, we have very mild winters um, where it gets a little cool, but it never freezes. It rains occasionally in the winter. That's the extent of uh, the bad weather that we get here. But otherwise, it's sunny uh, year-round. And that's a big difference, actually, from even other parts of the Bay. So anyone who's familiar with San Francisco, for example, the summer uh, can be rather cool and gray in San Francisco uh, because they get locked in with uh, fog. And uh, San Jose is uh, never like that. So it's always, uh, always sunny um, and generally pretty warm. Are there certain festivals that happen throughout the year? Yeah, I think the summer, you know, I can't think of any particular festival that tends to draw a lot of people at any one point. Um, the San Jose Jazz Festival happens every summer, and that's a lot of fun. There are some cultural festivals that I think are wonderful. We have uh, one of the three remaining historic Japantown neighborhoods in California, and they have a summer uh, Obon festival every year. So the entire neighborhood uh, gets out, and uh, there's a lot of uh, Japanese uh, dance and music act and things. Wonderful food, of course. That sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah, my son's really good into sushi. And, and so oh. <laughs> whenever we get a chance to check out like Japan towns and, and those little Tokyos, we always try to find a nice sushi place for him. Awesome. That's fantastic, especially for kids too. the Japantown neighborhoods. If you can find a kind of a home style sushi place, the price can be a lot lower than actually at some trendy uh, sushi restaurant uh, that you'll go to in other parts of the city. Sure. Yeah. I'm, I'm afraid when he turns into like a teenager and has like a bottomless pit inside his stomach, <laughs> he's going to like, I'm going to have to take out a mortgage whenever we go Absolutely. to a sushi place. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so when people are planning to visit San Jose, they would fly into San Jose for the airport that's there, correct? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, SJC, the Mineta San Jose International Airport, is a great, small, easy-to-access local airport that is just 10-minute drive from downtown San Jose. Okay. And so when people fly in to get to the downtown and, and see all the different attractions, should they rent a car then, or is there public transportation, or should they just worry about and use like a, like a ride share? Yeah, they can definitely use public transportation. There's a light rail that is available close to there. Ride sharing um, is very easy to use. Um, both Lyft and Uber uh, serve the airport and serve the broader community here. So that's very easy too. But if you are spending any uh, significant amount of time, more than a day or two, I definitely recommend renting a car. Really anywhere in the Bay Area other than the city of San Francisco. Uh, having a car really helps to be able to get around. Uh, the Bay Area is a sprawling place. Um, there's a lot to see and do around. It makes it a lot easier to, to get around with a car. That makes sense. And so if they're renting a car, how readily available is parking and is it pretty expensive or is it kind of cheap? Parking is definitely readily available throughout the region. You know, you have to pay for street parking and in lots um, in some portions of the most dense areas of downtown San Jose. I would say it's uh, fairly affordable, definitely easy to access. In a lot of the neighborhoods outside of downtown, actually, uh, parking's free in a lot of a lot of areas. Okay. And then what part of town should we plan to stay for our hotel? Are there certain areas also that maybe we need to avoid? Yeah. Well, I would say that downtown San Jose is probably the most centrally located a place to stay. And there's a lot of restaurants and things to do in the region. It's a good hopping off point for wherever you want to go. There are a lot of hotels located near the airport. Um, yeah, I wouldn't recommend those. That, you know, that's a business district um, in that area. So unless you're here for a meeting and it's most important to you that you're close to your office or the site of the meeting, 
you know, I would recommend staying in a more interesting place <laughs> than the airport. <laughs> yeah. so, so downtown San Jose is great. And uh, other communities, you know, if you are in the Silicon Valley region, in order to do something in Palo Alto or, you know, Mountain View or, you know, one of these um, other regions, it might make sense to stay closer to those uh, communities. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Okay. Do you have any recommendations for maybe like a nice boutique hotel? Two of my favorite hotels in San Jose are downtown. The Fairmont Hotel, of course, uh, is wonderful. It has a gorgeous uh, rooftop pool <laughs> that I love uh, when you're there and during pool weather. And the Hotel de Anza is a uh, Art Deco uh, hotel downtown, uh, one of the oldest uh, hotels in the downtown district. And that's a, a really nice place, too. Oh, nice. Yeah. Obviously, I like using my miles and points when I stay, but sometimes it's nice to be able to to find one of these boutiques that we can't really find and replicate that experience anyplace else. Exactly. So let's talk about some of the things to do while we're there in San Jose. What are some of the most popular and, and what are some of your favorites? Yeah. So starting with the most popular, the top tourist attraction in San Jose is definitely the Winchester Mystery House. So if you're not familiar with that, the story is that um, the owner of this house, the original owner of the house in the 1800s, um, Sarah Winchester, was a wealthy uh, widow uh, of the Winchester Rifle Company fame. And the legend goes that uh, she was overcome by grief after the loss of her husband and her infant child. So she sought guidance from a psychic who told her to move to the West Coast and build a house nonstop for the rest of her life in order to appease spirits that were haunting her. So over the next 38 years, she built this giant 24,000 square foot, 160 room mansion uh, here in San Jose. She built onto this little farmhouse that she built. So it's a really strange house and there are all kinds of uh, you know mysteries and ha- haunted stories uh, that go along with it. I actually saw a movie about that. It was like, I think it was like the story of her moving there and building the house and everything. And it was It was kind of a little bit of a scary movie, but it was also just the heavy drama. It was really interesting to watch. And I guess some of the doors, you open them up and they open out to the outside, like from the, exactly from like the the second story or third story and they they open up to walls. And like, I guess it's like to confuse the the spirits. Is that, I think that's what the, the thought process was. Yes, that's the way the legend goes. They tell you when uh, when you tour the house, they do all these uh, spooky uh, tours and ghost story tours there. People have always said that it was haunted, and you know this was the reason that she was doing this. Historians and uh, people that knew Sarah Winchester don't actually uh, think there was much evidence for these legends, and they think that some of this stuff, it's a very weird house, but they think that a lot of these uh, stories were overblown by the sensationalist media of the day. She was a rich widow, kind of private, introverted, and they didn't know how to make sense of her. So the house was actually bought by an amusement company uh, a year after her death, an amusement park company. And they started these House of Mystery tours just a couple of months after she passed away. So right away, a company jumped in and uh, started painting the picture of this place as uh, you know, this mystery house. That's where that brand came from. Historians actually say she was a, an amateur and self-taught architect. She was building all of this stuff herself, and she was playing with things. And, you know, a lot of things didn't work. A lot of things didn't look right. (laughs) But this was her sandbox. It wasn't even, you know, where she would play and experiment on things. It wasn't her only house. She actually had several other houses here in the Bay Area that she lived in part of the time. But this was the house that she kind of experimented on and tried different things. So some of these quirky anomalies, like the walls that uh, lead to nowhere and uh, things like that, could be explained by that. Things that didn't work or also... 
there was a lot of damage to the house in the 1906 great earthquake that caused a lot of damage to San Francisco, but also here in San Jose, it caused a lot of damage to her house. So they think that some of those doors to nowhere were, you know, portions of the house that fell down in the earthquake and they were never rebuilt. That's interesting. Wow. What are some of the other things that we should do while we're visiting? So other popular destinations are probably Santana Row, which is an upscale outdoor shopping destination, which is pretty fun to browse the stores and shop and a lot of the trendy restaurants and uh, things go there. There's a couple of local wine regions, including the Santa Cruz Mountains uh, wine region, which stretches through the Santa Cruz Mountains uh, just south of uh, here. One of their more well-known wineries there is a Ridge Vineyards. They became famous back in the 1970s uh, Judgment of Paris, uh, which was a blind taste test of several uh, California versus Bordeaux area wines. And uh, these French judges ranked one of the Ridge uh, Santa Cruz Mountains wines as the winner above the Bordeaux wines and even above uh, some of the Napa and Sonoma wines tested. So that event was a really important historic moment uh, in uh, showing the world that California was up uh, to making a world-class wine. That's one winery that I think is wonderful and uh, great to visit. Oh, nice. Yeah, I I like some wine. (laughs) So. Now, one of the things that I was looking uh, when I was doing a little research, there's something called the Hayes Mansion. What is that? A beautiful old mansion that was owned by a contemporary of Sarah Winchester, actually. The Hayes Mansion uh, has been really lovingly restored, and it's a hotel now, a beautiful place to stay. There are actually legit stories about paranormal beliefs of uh, the owner of Hayes Mansion. So there are stories about how she held seances in the house. And the Hayes Mansion is actually thought to be um, it's a beautiful place to stay, uh, but there are uh, ghost stories along with it. So if you're looking for ghost stories and a, a lovely place to stay, <laughs> <laughs> that's one place uh, that you can do. Nice. And I think back in the old days, San Jose was part of like the, the gold rush era, right? That was one of like the stopping off points. There's like a, a mining museum in San Jose, right? Yes, absolutely. So yeah, New Almaden Quicksilver County Park uh, right now is uh, home to a ghost town now, which was uh, the site of one of the most important mines in California's history. Back during the gold rush, quicksilver or mercury was used to extract gold from rock. So they needed an abundance of uh, mercury uh, to be able to get the gold out of all the stone that was coming out of these mines. So uh, having a local presence uh, here in California of mercury made the gold rush happen. So at one point um, in these hills just south of San Jose, there were more than 4,000 miners and their families uh, living in these uh, mining camps here in the valley. And now this land, it was active as a mine for over 100 years, but I think it closed down in the 1970s. But now uh, that land is protected as a county park, and you can go and hike through the area, uh, see uh, the old ghost town, some of the old structures in the area, and uh, visit a mining museum to learn more about uh, this interesting uh, part of our history. Yeah, that sounds so much fun. Now, uh, when you mentioned uh, the Santa Cruz Mountains where like the, the wineries are, is that also like some good places for hiking, or are there other spots we should look at? Yes, absolutely. In fact, I think one of our biggest draws um, here in the South Bay is the nature that surrounds the city. I think San Jose has done uh, a better job um, than other California cities um, of protecting the green belt and the open space and the hills around our city from development. We've done a pretty good job centralizing development down into the valley uh, and uh, adjacent to transportation and things like that where you know housing development and uh, corporate development belongs. Uh, and we've been able to protect the nature that surrounds the city. 
city. So there are a lot of county parks, public open space districts. There are two actual publicly funded open space districts that uh, protect public uh, land around the city. So, you know, our hills are almost completely undeveloped and really wonderful places uh, for you to go and hike and experience nature. Oh, that sounds really good. A couple of the one I was looking at was like the Sierra Vista Open Space Preserve and then yes. Mount Umanum. Umanum. In fact, I, I have trouble pronouncing that myself, but Mount Um. <laughs> <laughs> Locals call it Mount Um. <laughs> but yeah, those are uh, two really great uh, protected spaces with a view. Sierra Vista you know, is a great place to go uh, up uh, at sunset. Uh, you know, the best place, I think, uh, for seeing sunset uh, over the valley and over the San Francisco Bay. Also, you know, Mount Um, this is one of the four highest peaks in the Bay Area. It was a sacred place for the ancestors of the indigenous Ohlone people that once lived here and still live here, of course. And it was the site of a decommissioned uh, Cold War era Air Force station. So there's still a tall brick watchtower where Air Force uh, officials would uh, monitor the skies looking for bombers during the Cold War. Uh, But that uh, radio tower is still up um, at the top of the hill. Uh, You can't enter it. In fact, it's structurally unsafe. (laughs) The open space district that manages this public land now um, is uh, working to shore it up so that it is safe for people to walk close to. So you can't get that close to it right now. But it is really a remarkable view and a beautiful hiking trails uh, through the hills uh, there. Yeah, that sounds like it. So now earlier you mentioned that there's a really broad diversities of people and cultures and everything in the San Jose area. What are some of your favorite restaurants to kind of touch into that diversity? So if you visit San Jose, the two most important uh, food, cultural cuisines that you need to try are Mexican food and Vietnamese food. There are a lot of wonderful taquerias on the Mexican side, a lot of wonderful taquerias and regional uh, Mexican food restaurants. Uh, One of my favorites is uh, a Oaxacan restaurant called Mezcal in downtown San Jose. So that's uh, centrally located near the Fairmont. That's a great place uh, to experience a Oaxacan uh, food and drink. Uh, and as for in terms of Vietnamese food, San Jose has the largest population of Vietnamese people of any city outside of Vietnam. So we have a lot of really wonderful uh, Vietnamese uh, restaurants of all regional varieties, uh, sweets shops, coffee shops, uh, all kinds of things. So yeah, there's a lot of really wonderful Vietnamese food to be had here. A lot of folks are most familiar with pho, Vietnamese soup, but there are a lot of other varieties of soup uh, that are wonderful. And uh, my favorite is a spicy, I'm sorry, I'm forgetting the name of it now. The Bun Bo Hue? Bun Bo Hue. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, but yeah, Bun Bo Hue is a, a, a soup that I really love. Uh, and that's a, a spicy and sour broth soup. It's typically made with beef broth, but I'm vegetarian. So I uh, tend to order it at vegetarian places. For vegetarians, Vietnamese food is actually a really great cuisine to try because there are a lot of uh, Vietnamese vegetarian restaurants in San Jose that cater to practicing Buddhists who are vegetarian religiously. Oh, okay. There's probably about a dozen vegetarian Vietnamese restaurants uh, in San Jose that are really wonderful. What's one of your favorite places? One of uh, my favorite uh, Vietnamese vegetarian restaurants is Dong Phuong uh, Tofu, and that serves uh, maybe 20 varieties of vegetarian soups, uh, as well as a lot of other uh, tofu and soy products, including a variety of uh, fake meats and fish that serve the Vietnamese uh, vegetarian community. Okay. Say we're getting ready to go out and explore for the day. Before we head out, where should we go for a good breakfast in San Jose? A good breakfast. Um, yeah, so there's a lot of, let's say, Bill's restaurants or Bill's Cafe is a small local chain that has a number of uh, great breakfast spots. 
Flames, if you're right in downtown. Flames is one of my uh, favorite uh, breakfast spots. And uh, they have, um, on the weekends, all-you-can-drink mimosa special. Mimosa and all-you-can-drink Bloody Mary specials. So that's fantastic. Those are uh, two spots that I would like. Uh, Flames or uh, Bill's Cafe. Yeah, sounds like I need to make sure I'm, I'm there on the weekends. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so say I'm bringing my kids and we're, we're cruising around. Is there a good place for us to stop maybe like an afternoon for a good burger or something more, like I guess, traditional American food? Yeah. So a restaurant that I uh, really love, it's kind of a neighborhood place. It's in the Rose Garden uh, neighborhood. A place that I really like is the Park Station Hashery. And that is owned by a, a local chef. He used to work in San Francisco or restaurants, uh, you know, fancy uh, high-end restaurants and got sick of the grind. So he opened a local restaurant, started up this little local neighborhood restaurant, Park Station Hashery. Rather than working at the kind of crazy schedule of a, a fancy restaurant, he likes owning and operating a, um, a neighborhood joint where he knows the people that come in. So he's one of the, you know, these guys who, uh, who knows everyone who comes into his restaurant and recognizes you and uh, calls you out when you come in uh, to say hi. So it really feels like a nice place. That's an awesome story. It's great to see that he's able to kind of like live that and fulfill that dream. Exactly. Okay, say if uh, I'm coming into town with my wife and we're looking for a, a, a nice like romantic dinner spot, where should we go for that? So I, we have a tiny and growing Little Italy neighborhood. So <laughs> it is one block close to uh, downtown uh, San Jose. Yes. So San Jose, part of our history was that the community used to be a big agricultural center and a, a place where uh, for vegetable and fruit growing and packing. Uh, and so a lot of... Um, Immigrants in the early part of the 1900s came from Italy and Portugal and uh, places where you know, people had a farming background. And they came to, to open farms and uh, grow on the land uh, here in the Santa Clara Valley. So we have a tiny little little Italy neighborhood uh, that is growing back that has uh, two wonderful restaurants um, there, as well as a little coffee shop and you know, a couple of other uh, historic uh, storefronts there uh, on this one block. So uh, Enoteca La Storia is one of the restaurants that I would recommend. And that's a lovely Italian uh, restaurant and a uh, wine shop, uh, actually. So um, they have really good affordable prices on good quality uh, Italian imported wines. Oh, nice. So we can we can have a, an awesome dinner and then grab a bottle of wine to go and, and go find a romantic place to go try it out. Exactly. All right. So after that, or maybe like in the mid-afternoon with the kids, where would we go if we wanted to like get a, satisfy our sweet tooth? My favorite local sweet shops are actually some of the Vietnamese sweets. So there are a number of uh, these Vietnamese sweet shops that serve something that's called che, puddings, that are mixes of uh, lots of beans and cream sauce. And I'm not really sure how to describe that sometimes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, that, that's an interesting one of the che places I think would be a uniquely um, San Jose experience. Actually, at this tofu place that I mentioned, they have uh, some che puddings as well. So also boba tea. Uh, yeah, that's another uh, popular sweet in a lot of uh, shops serve that. Okay, well, cool. So Cassie, I really appreciate you sharing all these awesome tips for San Jose. I know I'm ready to look to go back and explore and enjoy more of the town. But now it's time for the final countdown. If somebody only had time for one meal when they visited San Jose, where should they go and what should they eat? Yes. Yeah, so if you had time for one meal, there's a really quirky but lovely restaurant that I love um, in downtown called um, Orchestria Palm Court. It is a uh, restaurant and museum for old player pianos, actually. They have a collection of something like 15 player pianos that play during your meal. So you'll get serenaded by these uh, self-playing uh, vintage uh, pianos. And they're an all-organic uh, menu and uh, really wonderful food and drink uh, as well. So 
it's an interesting uh, place. Yeah, that, that sounds like so much fun with all the music and everything. What do you order when you go there? So the thing I'm most most a fan of are actually their uh, old-fashioned soda fountain. They have lots of old-fashioned uh, fizz drinks and uh, kind of 100-year-old uh, recipes for these drinks that a lot of them were invented during Prohibition because uh, you know people were not getting cocktails and they're not getting you're not getting alcoholic drinks. Uh, so there are all these non-alcoholic, sweet, ice creamy, uh, creamy, fizzy soda fountain type beverages uh, that they serve there. That sounds delicious. Now, you've been in San Jose for about 15 years or so. What's one of your most memorable stories of being there? Well, this isn't actually my story, but one story that I thought was funny um, that we always tell is uh, a very Silicon Valley story. (laughs) My husband uh, was once at a bar in downtown San Jose late night, and he saw Bill Gates uh, trying to go into the local Johnny Rockets chain restaurant. And they were closing. He was going in just as they were closing, and they uh, turned him away. So <laughs> I don't think they knew who he was, <laughs> but he thought that was pretty funny. Uh, Bill Gates uh, kind of banging on the, on the restaurant trying to get in. And uh, yeah, they're like, no, we're closed. Go away. <laughs> we don't care how many billions you have. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> You're not getting this burger tonight, sir. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of funny stories, where's the happiest happy hour in San Jose? Yeah, so one place I really like for a happy hour is Vino Vino, which is a little wine bar uh, at the uh, San Pedro Square Market. Um, And the San Pedro Square Market is one of the local food halls. It's a really great place to go for a meal. Anyone, everyone in your uh, in your party can find something uh, different uh, to eat. But this little uh, wine bar uh, right there is comfortable, non-pretentious. Uh, you can buy like more than a dozen uh, house wines. Uh, I think most of them are local wines that are available on tap, actually. So that's kind of fun and cheap at a uh, uh, happy hour. Oh, that sounds good. Yeah, I love those uh, food halls like that because if you go with a group of people, everybody can. Nobody has to like sacrifice. Everybody can get exactly what they want. And like that way you don't have like one person getting all grumpy, right? Totally. <laughs> <laughs> now, one of the things I always do whenever I travel is check out the local pizza. What's the best place for pepperoni pizza in San Jose? Great. Well, in San Pedro Square Market, actually, <laughs> the restaurant I always go to is Pizza Boca Lupo, which is a, a Neapolitan uh, pizza place, a wood-fired uh, pizza place in the that food hall. That's uh, the place I always go when, when I take people to uh, the market there. Well, nice. I look forward to going when I, when I come visit. Now, you wrote the book on San Jose, so obviously you know a lot about traveling and everything else. What's your best travel tip? Well, for San Jose, um, I would say uh, just give San Jose a try. San Jose is a destination that not a lot of people are coming to directly for a trip on their own unless it's related to work or something. But if you are planning a trip to anywhere else in Northern California, uh, like San Francisco or Oakland, um, you know, and planning a road trip down the California coast, Plan a day or two in San Jose uh, to explore this area and uh, use it as the place where you rent your car. So if you start your trip in San Francisco, you can take the train, um, the Caltrain uh, travels, uh, regional rail train uh, travels in about an hour from San Francisco to downtown San Jose, rent your car in San Jose, explore this our community uh, for a day or two, uh, and then um, you know, start on your uh, road trip down the coast. I think that's a great trip idea. No, it makes absolute sense. I think there's a lot of cities like San Jose that are just kind of in like the orbit of more major cities like San Francisco that maybe come in there to San Francisco. And like, if you did, like you said, take a day and explore, you'll experience a lot more than you probably realize is there. And then the next time you come back, like you'll plan even more time that we can see all the things that you missed out on the first time around. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, give it a chance. Cassie, I really appreciate you being on the show. Can you tell the audience a little bit about who you are, what you do? And then if, if somebody has questions about your book or about San Jose, what's the best way for them to reach you on social media? 
Sure. A couple of my social media accounts that I'm most active on right now are related to my book, Secret San Jose, A Guide to the Weird, Wonderful, and Obscure. You can find out more about that book at secretsanjose.com, as well as a local travel blog that I'm not just starting up there on the site. I'm active on Instagram right now at Secret San Jose on Instagram. I'm also on Twitter as Cass Kiefer, C-A-S-K-I-F-E-R. Well, perfect. Again, thank you for being on the show and sharing all your awesome tips. And we look forward to seeing you when we travel there. Great. Well, thank you. What a fun conversation with Cassie. You can find all the links we talked about today at wetravelthere.com forward slash San Jose. We want to say thank you to Clear for being today's affiliate partner. Clear keeps you moving through airports, stadiums, and more with their exclusive touchless ID verification technology. Take advantage of our special limited time offer. We can try Clear free for two months. Go to wetravelthere.com forward slash clear to sign up today. Join us next time as we head to Panama City, Florida, speak with my new friend Jen Johnson of Bayhouse Playhouse. Jen and I talked about the dog mayor of Mardi Gras, visiting Shell Island, and the annual blessing of the feet. We hope you join us when we travel there. If you've enjoyed this podcast episode, please share with your friends and tell them what you like most. Make sure you subscribe that we don't miss any of our upcoming destinations. <laughs>